Welcome back to The Real Story Podcast for a super special interview with the one and only Gianna Biscontini. So Gianna, or Gia as I like to call her, is a right-way client, has actually been a right-way client for a few years, and we were actually connected when I was still doing this work as a side hustle and really helping clients on a freelance basis. Um, we got introduced. I loved her. I loved her messaging um, and what she was all about. She is a board certified behavior analyst who really challenges women to overcome narratives and fight for their rights to live interesting and authentic lives outside of these bullshit boxes that society creates. Uh, she is a keynote speaker. She is a lifestyle design and leadership coach. She is a writer who has been featured in publications such as Forbes. She has done a million different podcasts in over a hundred different countries. And she has also um, founded a few different companies, but um, she created this amazing employee well-being agency called WorkWell. Um, and I just always loved her mission and messaging. And when she came to me as a client, it was with a totally different book that she was working on with um, a couple of men, actually, and that did not end up going well. Long story short, she separated from this group and and really kind of toyed with the idea of doing a few different books and finally landed on the book that is launching today, May 17th. And I am going to go out on a limb and say, of all of the dozens and dozens and dozens of books that we have worked on at Rightway, uh, that we have helped usher into the world, this is hands down, I feel like the most important, um, the most relevant, and the most critical book for women and men, but women specifically to read. And it is called Fuckless, <laughs> A Guide to Wild, Unencumbered Freedom. And because Gia is a scientist, she really approached this work with such a different lens than most nonfiction writers would with a book like this. Um, it is... Truly, so I got to work on the proposal for this book and then I got to edit this book um, before publication. And I have never wished, I even say this in our interview today, I've never wished more to have written a book than this book. I wish this was my book because I feel so strongly about it. Um, I'm going to read you the description of this book. Um, we talk extensively about what this book is about, but this is just such a great description of this book and why women need it. Sick of giving a fuck, <laughs> break free. In Fuckless, a guide to wild, unencumbered freedom, behavior scientist and lifestyle design coach Gianna Biscontini guides women through the process of liberating themselves from the 10 archaic stifling expectations, aka fucks, society has placed on them for over a century so they can finally live life on their own terms. Through humor, storytelling, and a healthy dash of behavioral science, you'll learn step-by-step step how to leave it all behind, 
dropping the beliefs that no longer fit and creating a new narrative about what it means to be female and what exactly life looks like from here. Full of thoughtful questions, gut check exercises, and interview content from both men and women, Fuckless stands out as a book with a mission to give women the applicable tools they need to change the way they show up in the world and to pour gasoline on the fire of the women's movement. This book is so fun, so actionable. Um, Again, I I can't say enough amazing things about Gia or the work that she does in the world, and you will hear it in this interview today. It's one of my favorite interviews we've ever done on this podcast. Um, And I really hope, again, it's always my rallying cry uh, for our listeners everywhere to support authors by buying their books going into bookstores and requesting their books if they're not on the shelves, you know, buying them, leaving a review, sharing it. This is the type of book that I'm literally going to buy like 50 and give them as gifts to women everywhere because this this is the message we need to have in the world. These are the conversations we need to be having. These are the fucks we need to be dropping. And I hope you feel as moved as I do after listening to today's interview. I hope you will support Gia by going out and buying her book and helping her start a fuckless movement because God knows we need it. Enjoy the episode. Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Okay, Gia. Okay. First of all, I love when clients come on the show because I feel like you can really speak to, you know, not only having gone through the book proposal process, but just the business of ushering a book into the world and what a pain in the ass that can be. Um, which I can't wait to get into, but I really feel out of so many people that I've worked with, you were one of the most incredibly driven, grounded, interesting, fuckless women I've ever met, which we will get into what that even means. But I'd love for you to tell listeners a little bit about who you are and just how we even came to work together. Absolutely. And thank you so much for that. Um, we came together. I don't even know when it was. It was years it was ago. Years ago. <laughs> I was like a really separate book project with some people. Lovely and- people. <laughs> <laughs> with some other folks um, who ended up in the book, by the way. Um, okay. And uh, and uh, our amazing friend, Emma Crockett, introduced us. Yes. And so you and I had worked together uh, on that book and you were so, so helpful. And we got to the book proposal process. And so I really had a dry run for this book in going through that process with you. And so when that book ended up not working out, um, I decided to sit down and write my own book. It started off as a journal entry. And when I realized 
wow, there might be a book here. Um, you were obviously the first person I thought of to help me usher this baby into the world. Um, but a little bit about me, I'm a board certified behavior analyst. I really grew up, um, my most of my expertise in my early years is with children with autism and behavior analysis. Uh, it's really the gold standard treatment for kids with autism. So I did that for a while, um, but I hit a ceiling and I couldn't, I, I didn't want my boss's job, I couldn't grow. And so I really, it'll be five years, June 9th, where I've been just doing my own thing. Um, started WorkWell, an employee well-being company. During the pandemic, I put that on hold to see how it would all turn out, to see where I wanted to pivot the business. And in the meantime, started a coaching company um, and ended up with some famous, really well-known clients that I adored working with. And that really helped launch everything for me. And then... Um, Last year, I moved from San Diego to LA just to finish the book. I, wa I wanted to be around the creative energy of a new city, and I really just holed up in my apartment uh, <laughs> during the pandemic oh. and finished the book. Amazing. Speaking of, I see it right there. Is it right there next to you? Let me see it. Oh, my God. So people can't see this, but <laughs> so we're going to talk about this. Your book is entitled... Fuckless, a guide to wild, unencumbered freedom, which I freaking love on so many levels. So, first of all, I would love for you to tell us what does it mean to be a fuckless woman and what can readers find in this book? Being a fuckless woman in a word means liberation um, from other people's beliefs, opinions, stories, fears, anxieties, bullshit. And this is coming from like loved ones, right? People that love us very much can give us these fears and beliefs and narratives about how to run your life and what it means to be a woman, or it can come from people who, who seek to harm us. It doesn't really matter where they come from and what their intention was. It's just that we carry these fucks around um, and they drag us down. And the idea of the book is this life is so beautiful and amazing. And there is so much to do and be and see. Pick the fucks in your life that are stopping you from obtaining that life that you want and put them aside um, and understand that they are not true for you. They can be true for other people. And that's fine. This isn't a judgment. It's just, these are not true for me. Yes. And working on, so we worked on this proposal together, shopped it. And it was so funny because all these agents and editors really loved your book actually, but they were like, Oh, I don't know what the fuck? Like, because we were shopping it a while ago. And I don't think, I really believe that the timing wasn't quite right. And the industry wasn't ready for what <laughs> this book is. And I feel like the timing could not be more perfect for this book to come out, coming out of the two years that everyone's coming out of where really no one gives a fuck anymore about a lot of things. And not that that's what this book is about, but we worked on the proposal and then, you know, going through and like editing and working on your book. You're such a fantastic writer, but I was like, I love this book so much and I resonate with it and I understand it. And I feel like it's just such a rallying cry for women to be authentically who they are. Um, and it's so refreshing. It's not like another not to knock self-development books, but like this just feels different and real in a way that so many books in the nonfiction space don't. Um, 
So I'm just, I like cannot wait for it to get out into the world. Um, and I would love for you to talk about that publication path a little bit because it was a really long winding road. Like you thought you were going to go this super traditional path, land an agent, land a publishing deal. And it didn't quite work out that way, but I feel like where you ended up is actually the perfect home for you. So can you talk a little bit about that path and that what you ended up choosing and what you, what you ended up doing to get this book into the world? Absolutely. Yeah. And thank you for, for the excitement behind I it. Love it. I can't wait. This would not be here uh, without your input. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah, you would have found a way. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there were there were a couple of things about the book that made the path I took really the only path for me. Number one, the title, right? We got all these things back from people. Yep. It will not sell with that title. You need to change it. And I tried to yeah. be there. I said, oh, okay, you don't like it. Well, I'll just. <laughs> and then I was like trying to think of like, well, I won't curse at all because people won't like it. And like, nah. and uh, I just, sorry, standing. Um, and so, you know, I, I really heard all this, this pushback on, you can't use that word. It won't sell. Um, you need to change, which is really ironic because that's what women hear all the time, right? No, no, no. I don't yeah. like you how you are. Be different and then you'll be okay. Uh, yeah. so as I was going to the drawing board and I was like, okay, I guess I just won't curse then. I was like, no, that's that flies in the face of the concept of this book. So the title was the first thing. The second thing is that there are, are narratives and stories and research and history in this book, but it's also a guidebook. Um, talking about the self-development books, there's a lot of like, rah, rah, you can do a books out there and, you know, things that make us feel really good, but then we put the book down and walk away. Yes. Into the same environment unchanged. It's the same reason why when I speak, I include action sessions afterwards. I don't want to be a dancing monkey on a stage. I want to be a dancing monkey on a stage who changes things. Like yeah. after you hear what I have to say, things change. Um, and so the people I think had an issue with, well, is, is it a, is it a guidebook and they're exercising it or is it this other thing? And so it wasn't just immediately fitting into a box again, hilarious because the book is about glass boxes that women are put into. Exactly. And I was like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Well, don't you think you had to go through that? Like, I think you had to go through that and be like, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Um, this is, this goes against the whole point of the book and you had to go through it, not around it, you know? Absolutely. And I, you know, I really sat down with myself and the third thing is what is the point of this book? Yes. Um, to change it and to change my experience and to change what my clients come to me with so that it's more, more marketable and maybe it resonates less and doesn't land as much with people? Or is it just to take everything from inside me, my knowing, my truth, from my own experiences, from history, from research I did, from my clients, and make this and send it out no matter what and just let it be itself? And sure. so Scribe really let me do that. Um, and one of my first meetings with them, I said, um, yeah, so the title, and they're like, we love it. Stick with it. Well so talk about what, so, so we tried the agent, you know, editor route that, you know, quote unquote traditional world. And then you found this company called Scribe Media. Um, can you talk about what that is? Cause I think there's a lot of misunderstanding and miscommunication about other paths to publication and like, is this self-publishing? Is it hybrid? Like, what is it? And how did you find them? How did you decide to, to go with them? And we'll, we'll kind of get into that a little bit. 
Sure. I had um, a friend who was a couple months ahead of me in the process mm-hmm. and I got connected with him through a mutual acquaintance and I was just doing my research. I was looking at, you know, we weren't really getting anywhere at the publishers because they had a, a problem with the way that the book was constructed. And um, so then I looked up self-publishing and you really, really helped guide me through that. Um, and so I went this route because a friend of mine had said, hey, I'm publishing with Scribe and I did some research and I just asked a lot of questions you know, I've been writing my whole life, but I've never, I've never done this before. And so I think you can do your research and talk to people and, and have guidance, but at the end of the day, you have to find a good fit. Yes. Um, and so, you know, through working with you and through talking to my friend who was already with Scribe, um, I landed on them and who they are is, you know, the public, as you know, the publishing world is very archaic and has, this, right, <laughs> has some, some crazy rules. And yeah. it's hard to navigate and, and hard to get in there. Um, and I really just wanted this book to be out in the world. I didn't need a fancy publisher. And so um, I went to Scribe and they have all these different uh, offerings, right? That you can hire them to market. If you have, if I wake up with an idea tomorrow and I've never written a book or written a word in my life, I can start with, and there are a couple of companies that do this where you go and they help you with an outline and, and learn how to be a writer to yeah. put your idea or your concept out into the world. Um, but because you and I had worked on the book already, I just came to them with a full manuscript pretty much. Amazing. (laughs) You helped me that too. And uh, I just said, here, (laughs) this is what I have. I just want you to get the book out into the world. And I didn't use any marketing or any publicity. I hired my own PR company who I love. Um, and so they really just took care of the whole publishing process. And I liked the flexibility. Um, I designed the cover. I designed the illustrations um, and someone with actual artistic talent actually carried uh, the vision through. And it was just such an amazing experience. It was a creative experience and the honor of my lifetime to this point. Oh, so it was very collaborative. And I think a lot of people, that's why they want to self, self-publish because like, oh, I get complete creative control, but then it's very overwhelming with, well, I'm still responsible for this. And I have to find a cover designer and a copy editor and a proofreader and get this out in the world in some way. And so this was really a beautiful I mean, it, this is really actually what the hybrid experience is supposed to be like, where it's like the best of the traditional world, because you really are getting distribution and you don't have to worry about that side of things with the autonomy and control of being the creative and saying what stays and what goes, which is so wonderful. Um, can you give a ballpark if you're comfortable with what you what you spent? Um, because a lot of people too, they, they want to do this. I know someone else who's going with Scribe and she spent, you know, 40 to $50,000 because she hired a ghostwriter and she did the marketing and, you know, is really putting everything out there. But a lot of people don't want to spend that. So can you talk a little bit about that and how you decided on what was worth it for you to spend and and what wasn't? Absolutely. Um, And I I will preface this by saying that, um, well, as you know, uh, I lost my father in 2020, in September, 2020. And so um, when he passed, I got a, a little bit of inheritance. And so I had money to invest. And so I really had the privilege of going into this process saying, I don't mind spending the money. Mm-hmm. I just want to know what it's going to get me and if that is valuable to me. And so if I was a bazillionaire, I probably could have just said, well, make this a bestseller and we'll pay for it. You know, just make it whatever. Um, and a lot of people can't do that. And so I've heard varying degrees of what people are willing to spend. Um, I spent, I would say all together with, you know, working with you with proofreading, with getting the book out there, 
Uh, I just put, I just paid to do the, um, to produce the audiobook in a couple of months. Fun, fun. I know I'm narrating myself. It'll be really fun. Um, and, and publicity, I would say, let me do some quick math. Oh, I know. It's kind of scary when you start to. And I'm like, oh, cause it's like a couple of grand here, a couple of grand there, but it, to right. me, it was like piecing it together. And I didn't want, I wasn't comfortable taking an investment and giving it all to, to one entity or one person. And so I spent some of that with you because I wanted to work with you. And I knew that you got the book and the message and I didn't want to have to start all over with someone else. And I already had you as such a believer and cheerleader and as such a talent. And so I started there. And then I was like, I want to publish a scribe. And then I found a PR team. Um, and so I would probably say 30,000. Yeah. yeah. And so people really need to hear that because it is an investment, no matter if you're self-publishing, if you're hybrid publishing or traditional, traditionally publishing. Again, I've said this a million times on this podcast, but I have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars at this point over four books, like just trying different things and cool, I'm going to do digital marketing or I'll hire this publicist or we'll try this this time. And it is an investment because especially with nonfiction, it is something you will promote and sell for probably the rest of your life. You will talk about it. It doesn't have a shelf life in terms of like it being some trendy topic. This is really an evergreen topic and conversation. And I feel like it could be an absolute movement um, if positioned correctly, which is so exciting to think about. And speaking of, do you have an idea? Because so many people want to write books. So they write the book, they get the book ready. And then they're like a deer in headlights with launch. They're like, I don't know what I'm going to do with launch and, and not spending the time either to hire a publicist and, or just think through that strategy of how you want to launch, what you like to do with marketing, how you want to put your book out into the world, but realizing you don't have to do it all in the first two weeks or six weeks, if you're not with a traditional publisher. So what is your launch plan or strategy um, with this book? Yes. And so I had to think about what's the function of the book and what's my goal. Yes. Um, Talk about both of those things. <laughs> the function of my book is to be a digestible guide for the rest of your life, essentially. And so the book is designed so that after you get through, you know, the introduction and you start with these 10 fucks, if you hit the first fuck and you're like, whoa, <laughs> Oh my God. Um, and you hit the, you hit the questions, you hit the work at the end of each chapter. You don't have to keep reading. Yes. Yes. Exactly. I am going to sit with this. This is, uh, um, I'm motivated. I'm inspired. I am angry. I am happy. I am whatever. And you can stop and just sit with it. Or you can flip through and say, no, that's not really, you know, anything I deal with. Ooh, fuck number three. Yes. I'm going to go right to that. Right. Or if you're just not really sure you can read the whole thing. And so this is really meant to be a very multidimensional, actionable, multifunctional book that I, I have books, Mark Nepo's book of, um, I think the book of awakening. I have gone back to that, but I can pick it up anytime over the last five or six years, I've probably had it. I can pick it up anytime. Parts of it resonate with me and parts of it don't. A year later, the parts that didn't resonate now do because life is not linear and things happen. And so the function of that book is that the goal of the book was just to get it into as many hands as possible, regardless of my effort or cost, because I believe in the book. Yes. It's not going to be everybody's goal because either, um, 
you know, maybe it's not such a personal thing for you. Maybe it's more of a business tool. Maybe you don't have the money or the time and all that's just, all that's fine. But that was my goal. And so, um, with the launch of the book, I told my, my differentiator is I can speak to a lot of different things because they all involve behavior. Yes. Yes. And so I told my publicist in the beginning, I'm like, look, my, she's like, you can speak to so many things. I said, and it's going to be really difficult for you to niche this somewhere. Yes. So I knew from the very beginning, from having my own companies before, from working with branding and marketing before in my other companies, that number one, things happen really quickly. You have to discern where you put your time and energy and money. And um, everybody will tell you to niche yourself. I 100% on a neuropsychological level and marketing level understand why that's important for most people. Sure. I do not do that. Mm-hmm. I was on Demona Hoffman's podcast the other day. She's Drew Barrymore's love expert on the Drew Barrymore show, right? I'm talking about relationships. Yeah. And then something will come through. Forbes needs an article. Forbes Women needs an article in four hours on women in leadership, right? In corporate. And then it's something mindfulness and meditation and the well being space. And so, I do feel really equipped and passionate about all the things that come to me, but fuckless really does speak to so many things and it's so applicable. And so I just knew from the very beginning, um, I was prepared to spend the energy and sometimes things come through and I, just because I can speak to it doesn't mean that I want to make the time for it because I'd really rather sit down and, and, and speak to the things that I feel most passionate about that I honestly think will hit wider audiences. So more people can have that book in their hands. Absolutely. So are you going to do like, you know, a quote unquote tour of any sort? Are you doing a, a launch party? Like, how are you, are you sticking most with digital stuff? Like, how are you approaching it? Yeah. It's so funny. All of my friends are like, when's the party? Cause I love throwing parties. <laughs> and I don't, I hate having launch parties. I feel like it's so much stress, but that's amazing. If you love that stuff. <laughs> I love it. Um, but I needed to, to take a beat. This is a, by the time my advanced copy showed up on my door last week, it was two years, seven months and seven days. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I had been, I mean, you're very aware of all my personal and professional trauma that came along with writing this book, not to mention excavating my own things and the, and the fucks of others. And so I want to be mindful about how, I continue to release this book. I would absolutely love to go on a book tour. I would absolutely love to be um, asked to come places and speak and all that. And so I will, I'm doing a lot of digital right now. I'm writing a lot. I'm doing a ton of podcasts because I love writing and speaking. That's where my strength lies. Mm -hmm. Um, I do social media stuff, but that's not my forte. I don't think it showcases really what me and my work is about. So yeah, staying digital. And then I will probably over the summer would love to launch a book tour and some sort of an event. I'm right by DC now. I have a network in Southern California. And so we'll see, we'll see what that looks like. I love that. One of my favorite um, writers, uh, Christine Arilo, she talks about every time she puts a book out, it's an unveiling and not a launch. So she'll kind of do a few things when the book comes out and then she'll wait a few weeks and she really follows the own, uh, her own ebbs and flows with her energy and her time because she's doing coaching and like a million other things. And I just love that because we do as authors feel so much pressure to just make this gigantic splash and kill ourselves sometimes. And that's sometimes not in the best 
um, service of the book itself. So I think like you have all the time in the world to do what feels good for you with this book. And I feel like this is going to be a book, very word of mouth, very much a gift for your girlfriend. And like, it's going to be one of those books that's just like passed around and passed around, um, because it is just so relevant. And I don't know if you want to share this or not, but can you like go through the 10 fucks or just like list what they are. So readers kind of know what they're, what they're getting into. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, I will say I sent the book out, um, a couple of people, uh, including men have asked me, you know, about the book. And so I did uh, send out, you know, a couple of chapters to people yeah. and then I got it. I'm getting a lot of reaction from men, which I love. Um, like, like what? Tell me like male dominated industries like fire and policemen hitting me up on LinkedIn and saying, where can we bulk order? Oh my gosh. I know. I was like, um, okay, great. That was not intended. Um, but fantastic. Um, and men have reached out to me to say the most, most of the questions are, will this make me a better boss to my female employees? And will this make me a better husband? Cause I know I can do better. And so I've gotten a lot of heartwarming feedback um, a couple of the, my male friends that I sent the book to said, oh my gosh, my girlfriend, my sister, my several women in my life, I'm going to buy this for them. When's, when's the launch date again? Um, I would love that. That's usually the opposite, right? Like women are the ones that buy books, but I, I love that this is resonating with men. So fantastic, which is why, you know, I didn't want to plan such a specific release into the world because I'm oh, yeah. getting this feedback before it's even out there from people I never expected. And it's so heartwarming. And so I just want to let it go live in the world for a little bit. Um, so yes, the 10 fucks, thank God I have the book in front of me. Cause I'm always, oh, I, I don't know. Really <laughs> so be small, be small, be silent. We all know that one. Be less the notion that women are less valuable, less worthy, not to be taken seriously and kind of invisible sometimes um, be fixed here's everything that's wrong with you. But once you fix yourself with makeup or this product or this filter, you will oh. be okay. Well, and then we go into the world and we're like, oh, I have a, you know, full face of makeup today. I feel very beautiful. And then society is like, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are misconfident, right? And like bats you down again, be chosen. Um, I was very surprised how much time I realized with my own life and others, how much time we spend orbiting around relationships yes. where we do not place that on men and we, we act to be chosen. I remember being a little kid and being like, why do men get to just be brave and go out into the world with this conquistador attitude and they can sleep around and get dirty and messy, but I have to stay in okay. this place because I am chosen and men do the choosing, right? So I'm just kind of, whatever helps me be chosen because that's the goal. Mm -hmm. that's a fuck it could be and if, if it's not it's not for you be dependent um I go into two places I mean obviously be dependent on men to fix things or whatever but I go into entrepreneurship and travel that was a really personal chapter for me to write I've traveled the world uh, mostly without men sometimes by myself and entrepreneurship is a whole other thing um mm -hmm. be soft um that's a really interesting chapter because I think that the way we describe strength and softness are actually needed to be rebranded and reversed. Yes. To the health of our society. Um, so that one was great. Um, be the exception. Um, how we qualify women, female leader, my female CEO, my, you know, we, we qualify and silo women away with these gender qualifiers, just like we do when we say black CEO, right? And so that chapter of be the exception really speaks to how we orbit around the the typical leader is 
a white male who is straight and who wears a suit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not to beat up on anyone, but it's just really illuminating. Um, and I think be everything, as I'm sure um, all the moms out there, it's like, we expect you, if you don't have children, you're selfish. If you do have children, then you should work like you don't have children. You know, it's all, again, glass box, like mm-hmm. some shatters, regardless of the direction in which you move, someone has a problem with it. Um, and I think the hardest chapter for me to write was the be sexy, but sweet, really predicated on the fact that women are visual, sexual beings first, wives and nurturers and sacrificial beings second and whatever else they have time for a third. And mm-hmm. so if you don't kind of follow that path, um, watch out. So those are the 10. I mean, I don't know a single woman that doesn't identify or hasn't felt all of those fucks <laughs> a time in her life or all of them. And the be soft is, that is so interesting to me. I've been doing a lot of um, healing, a lot of familial healing. And there's a, a healer here in Nashville. Her name is Gabby. And my mother and I for Mother's Day went to do this uh, quantum foot soak, which sounds insane. But um, my mom experienced this amazing healing. But the whole message for both of us was when we feel ourselves, because yeah, like I'm CEO of my company and an author and a homeschool mom and all this shit and a wife and everything. And when I get stressed and come up against resistance, I meet it with force. Cause like I'm strong and I have to do this, you know, all this stuff in a very hard way and force it. And Gabby was like, whenever you hit that wall, soften and expand and understand that you can still be strong. You can still be all of these things and soft. And I, I do think it has to flip because I've always seen soft being soft is like, that's not me. I'm not that person. And it can be such an asset and such a strength. And we do have it flip-flopped. I mean, we have so many things flip-flopped obviously with your book. Absolutely. And you know, I teach meditation classes. I teach neuroscience meditation classes to leaders and I use it in my coaching practice. And, you know, I have always been heralded for my 120 mile an hour operating speed and what's, what gets rewarded gets repeated. And so what I've learned over the last four or five years, after I read James Doty's into the magic shop and started meditating, my best ideas and my best moments come in moments of peace when I'm taking a bath, a walk or a nap. And I I wear a notebook around my neck because I don't want to take my phone and I just go. And it's so, we have to break apart from that. You know, we have to be everything. We have to do everything perfectly. And that means we have no time. Um, Yeah. So just the mindfulness component. And the one fuck I forgot, because I always do is be stifled. Oh, gaslighting and emotions and emotions are silly and stupid and bad. And we need, in order for women to be taken seriously, they have to be a one dimensional stoic robot or to act like a man. And that is just total bullshit. Like male intuition isn't a thing. Right. Right. Male intuition, right. We have this divine feminine intuition and these feelings in this emotional range that has shown to be very, very informative. And this is not a binary conversation of women are good, men are bad, or one is better than the other. It's the confluence of yeah. all of these things and being more mindful about how we show up in the world. Oh, I love it so much. And so when a reader closes this book, whether it's a man or a woman, what is the ultimate takeaway you want that reader to have having closed this book and gone through this experience? I hope that they have had 
the hard things or maybe the things that they've been avoiding gently illuminated Mm -hmm. so that they can carry on and continue to do the work to build boundaries, to drop beliefs, to stop something, to start something, to pause something. I just, I always say impact is my paycheck. Oh, I love that. And so my dream for this book is for people to say, you, this book made me look at the ugly, scary stuff. And I start with this conversation about dark caves and my dark cave story of like literally crawling through a dark <laughs> cave. You love that. I know you helped me so much with that. It's like going through like this dark cave, but the dark caves holds the biggest lessons and the best stories. And I think of our own avoidance as a behavioral analyst, right? I know that our avoidance is so rewarding and so powerful in the short term because we reward, we avoid the uncomfortable thing because it's scary. And I get that. But then we continue to avoid and avoid and avoid. And we drink too much. We eat too much. We buy shit we don't need. We look for fulfillment and happiness everywhere else. And the real secret that I found is looking at the things that you don't want to look at because someone you love very, very much gave that to you and it harmed you. And they 100% did not mean it. But to go, I love my parent very much. And they're the reason I've been carrying this around, or I loved that professor, or I loved that spouse or that boyfriend or girlfriend or that partner so much, but they gave me this thing. And it's not about blame. It's saying, and I followed it and I behaved as though that fuck was true for me. And it wasn't. And so all of it's really hard work, but I just hope people put the book down and take a deep breath and feel illuminated and lighter and clearer to move forward and take action. And that is the real key here, because as you said, with these types of books, you know, we can resonate with them and, and be like, yes, I'm going to go out and change everything. And then we are so conditioned to behave and respond and interact and react in the same little, in our little glass boxes, actually. And it's so hard to actually experience real change on a fundamental foundational level. So when readers are done with this, like how can we walk through the world as fuckless women and learn to really trust ourselves and, and just push away all of those fucks that society and partners and family just constantly, you know, bombard us with, like, how do we actually do the work and walking through the world as fuckless women? Great question. Um, and this is that smaller part two in the book that said, again, as a behavior scientist, I know like I can teach you sure. anything. If I, I can coach you and I can teach you something and they say, great, you know how to do it by. And then you're like, awesome. And you go into the world, into the society that shaped you. Yes. And that held you back and told you, be quiet, be small, be, be all these things. And it's like, that's when the butts come in, right? Well, I tried, but you have to stop giving a fuck about the butt. Yeah. I feel it. Now. It's this funny little thing I do. Um, it's this rooted in science. It's funny in our industry. And we always talk about how can you make it funny? How can you make it approachable? And so the other day I was, this is a maybe a little rougher story. I, I had family staying with me and it was in the throes of being emotionally abused and verbally abused in my own home. And I sat outside um, and that family member kind of was verbally and emotionally abusive and walked away. 
and I wanted to say something and set a boundary. And I, I heard myself, don't be dramatic. Oh, don't be wow. dramatic. And I, it, that be stifled. Right. Mm-hmm. And now when I catch those fucks in action, yeah. I picture myself like, like hitting my forehead off that glass box. Right. I mean, like, like there it is. And it's in that moment, right. Victor Frankl has that quote of like, stimulus and like the the magical space is between that stimulus and that response right the stimulus was this verbal abuse um in my own home that was really aggressive and then my automatic response was to hit my face off that glass box and say oh I want to do that but I'm not because I don't want to be dramatic I don't want to be whatever I don't want everybody else to think this and so I picture myself now just kind of moving through it doesn't have to be angry. You can smash that glass box or you can just kind of mindfully come out the other side. And that is where we exist differently. And so that part two, there are five ways that I show people how to show up in the world differently. And my favorite's regifting. Mm. So people fuck signal all the time, right? Of course, I walked to my house. I set a boundary. My other family, family member said, don't be dramatic. And I was like, yep, there it is. That's where that came from. And yep. I, you know, I'm just amused at this point by everything that this book has taught me. And so um, it was that, you know, fuck drop, don't, you know, don't be dramatic. And I saw that family member lose their shit because I would not be stifled anymore. And I set different rules after almost 40 years on this planet. It's amazing. And that pisses people off, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter. It just jars people because you change the rules and it's confusing. And so you've got to be ready for that. And so as that person was yelling at me and saying, you know, be quiet, you're too dramatic. Um, I said, this is not mine. Yes. That's my favorite phrase as of late. This is not mine. Take and care. So it's like receiving this gift from someone, right. And saying, no, thank you. Yes. And regifting that and giving it back. And again, I think that we have this thing around boundaries. Like, it's like, no, like, yeah, like it's this cold, horrible thing and it's no but I in that moment spoke in the affirmative and said here are my expectations for how I'm treated in my own home Mm -hmm. you don't have to follow those expectations but if you choose not to you can go yes and so we talk in the affirmative with boundaries it's a boundaries that we set for ourselves without expectation of the other person changing but it's that regifting of saying this is not mine take it back like return to sender with consciousness Yes. Another one of my, um, my big energy. Um, I have an energy worker that I work with. So your quantum, you know, thing wasn't, wasn't that weird. It's not that weird. (laughs) The thunder with consciousness. I love you. I know you love me. This is not mine. It's not healthy for me. I do not believe it. If you want to carry this with you, then you can take it elsewhere. And it's just such a mindful, loving way to set that boundary in a really intense moment. And that's what I love about this book too, because I really do feel like it is a guidebook that you can kind of, you know, carry with you and is a constant reminder when we find ourselves in all these situations. And the biggest thing I took away from your book is just the awareness, like being aware of all of these areas in my life where I might be, you know, so conditioned because of other people and not really an integrity with myself. And it's, it's just, I'm telling you, I think this book, I know this book is going to just help so many women. Um, tell us the official launch date and where people can get this book. 
the official launch day is May 17th. Yes. So I know it's four days before my 40th birthday. I'm so excited. Amazing. What a gift. <laughs> yes. Um, and you can find it on Amazon. Um, I'm pretty sure you can just, I don't really know how these things work. I know it'll be on Amazon. You can Google it. It's on that website. It'll yeah. be on, okay. all the, on Barnes and Noble. All of those. Um, and so, yeah. And, or you can go to my website and there'll be a link there. Um, I'm sure my social media, I'll have all those links too, but everything just- show notes. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and to end, we always love to do, or I always love to do this little lightning round. So just kind of first thing that pops in, into your mind. Um, so here we go. All right. Tell us the biggest thing you've learned on your path to publication. Stay rooted in who you are and what you believe and listen to others and absorb it. But when it comes to what you do, stay, make sure it comes from within you. Absolutely. Favorite thing to do when not writing or working. Do I do anything but writing or working? <laughs> um, I will say I just built a brand new patio in my backyard with like a meditation space and a fire pit and all that. So hanging out outside at my fire pit with my dog. Love it. Um, if you weren't, I mean, I feel like you're not just an author. You're not, you know, a scientist. You're not just a coach. You're, I mean, you're so many different things. But if you hadn't sh- chosen all of those different paths, what would you be? I always wanted to be an actress, but I can honestly say I would, if I won a billion dollars tomorrow, I would keep doing everything I'm doing right now. I love that. I love that. I don't think anybody's ever said that. Um, (laughs) What is your favorite way to give back? Time. I really like to give my time and energy to sit down one with one, one one-on-one with, I mean, hence the coaching, but sitting down and and hearing and seeing people and kind of helping them illuminate and excavate. Um, I think I've had that done for me and it's such a gift. And I like being able to have that impact again with, with other people. Love it. How do you stay grounded? Um, besides meditation and movement, I really think my new favorite way to stay grounded is to, you know, you, you said it yourself, that awareness and mindfulness of when I'm hitting that glass box and backing up and, and, and adhering to that fuck in that moment. And now I can just kind of gently walk to the other side um, because I know it's the other side of that is so beautiful and I've been rewarded so much by it. Totally. Uh, beer, wine, or cocktails? Always depends on the day, but I am a sucker for a really good extra, extra, extra like ocean water, dirty martini or an old fashioned. Love it. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee, right? I mean, 100%. Joshua free coffee, specifically. <laughs> um, fiction or nonfiction? Nonfiction, though I do love a good story. Um, any book that comes to mind, like best book that you've read this year, besides your own? Um, yeah, I don't think I've read any books. I'm reading Joe Dispenza's book right now. Um, the Becoming Supernatural? Um, no, the other one of changing your mind and changing your habits. It's a lot yeah. of the brain yeah. stuff. Um, so I'd have to say favorite book um, that's changed me of all time is probably Into the Magic Shop by James Doty. Love it. Love it. Um, what or who uh, has had the biggest impact on your life? Probably my father uh, as an example and as a non-example <laughs> in a lot of different ways. <laughs> Love that. And then one author you think everyone should read? Oh my gosh. Besides you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I am, I'm a lover of uh, Paulo Coelho. Yes. Yes. Um, the, the alchemist was also mind-blowing to me which is funny we talk about like first week launch is like his book alchemist, oh that popular for like what a decade uh, or 25 years or something ever. his yeah. publication story is insane like no one wanted that book um yeah such a beautiful example and that talk about a timeless book it's amazing yeah, and, and um, book as well for sure Amazing. And then if people want to work with you, learn more about your coaching, um, buy a million copies of your book and book, like where, where can we send them so they know how to stay connected with you? My website's the best and quickest way at There's contact forms. You could tell me exactly what you're looking for. And, um, I'm pretty responsive. And then my other website for uh, corporate well-being is WorkWell, W3RKWELL. It's the corporate well-being side you're interested in. Amazing. Thank you so much for chatting. I am seriously, like I've worked on, you know, so many books in, in my life and I have never been more excited for a book to come out than this book, just because I, I just believe in it. So it's like one of those books I wish I had written because <laughs> like, yes, this is the book. It just, it's everything. And I know it's going to, it's going to do so well in the world. Oh, that fills my heart. And thank you for all of your help and cheerleading and support. Um, I, I appreciate you. I uh, appreciate you. It's been an honor. Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.